Breaking down the biggest stories. We're losing officers. We're losing our children in this community. A community I love, by the way. Talking about what really matters. We cannot let this stand. And whether it's sentencing or mental health commitment of dollars there or, or tougher sentencing, whatever it is, what are we actually getting accomplished? And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello. A political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Steve Scafidi. And good morning. Happy Election Day across the state of Wisconsin. I'm going to spend the first half hour talking about Election Day. I, I was reading some numbers, as I want to do when I'm getting ready to do the show. And it was uh, yesterday afternoon. And I saw this local story, Milwaukee. And I understand we have listeners everywhere. But uh, in many places, it's Election Day. And we're, we have, obviously, the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, which we'll talk about in, in, in greater detail in a second. Uh... Aldermanic races in Milwaukee and elsewhere. Lots of different races in different places. But the number that caught my eye, this comes from the Election Commission Milwaukee. Claire Woodall Vogg, director of Milwaukee's Election Commission. This is a direct quote. We're hopeful that we'll see between 15 and 20% voter turnout tomorrow, which is relatively low, but pretty typical for a spring election. And I'm thinking about this. Now, I understand that there's not the enthusiasm of presidential election. And to be brutally honest, some of us out there only vote for presidents or in that election every four years. And at the risk of hurting feelings, it's lazy. So much complaining. Country of complainers. So much vitriol and hates over a process in a country that's open to almost everyone. Prove you live there, you go vote. I would say it's about as simple as it gets. Many ways to vote now. I was talking about this with uh, Vince during the break. Early voting, mail-in voting, absentee, and in person. No excuses to not vote. My question is simple this half hour. And although I'm in Wisconsin, it applies anywhere. It is embarrassing. And probably about a dozen other words that I could string along with that. That 15 to 20 percent of us are actually going to take the time to vote in this election. We're told this is one of the most important elections in Wisconsin history. We're going to narrow down our candidate field for Wisconsin Supreme Court. To two people. It's my show poll today up on Twitter at 620WTMJ. Simple question as well. Who gets your vote for Supreme Court? Right now with almost 200 votes. Well done you. Janet Protosewitz, 53% essentially. Jennifer Doro, 31%. Daniel Kelly, 7.6. Everett Mitchell, 8.2. Unscientific poll. 
just fans of 620 WTMJ, listeners, of course, or people who follow my Twitter account because I shared it on mine, which is WTMJ Steve. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. For the... Let me restart. I do not understand. As simple as we make it for people, why you can't get up out of your chair, take, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to either early vote or show up today and vote on a day that maybe extreme western Wisconsin, maybe not even that, pretty decent election day weather. What's the excuse? What's the reason why you don't think it's important that you vote? Throw the Supreme Court race out if you want to. Local races matter. Those are the folks who make decisions about your local budgets, the rules of your municipality, whatever that is. Other than lazy, what word would you put on it? 855-616-1620. It's inexcusable to me that given the importance of any election, not this one, all of them, some of us, and apparently 80% of us, can't be bothered. But they're sure as hell going to listen to talk radio or squawk TV and complain about politics to everybody else that wants to hear what they have to say. But they can't be bothered. And it's not even exclusive to one demographic. Young people, middle-aged, old people, seniors. Can't be bothered. In this day and age, that's pathetic. That is lazy. If you disagree, give me a call. Love to have this conversation right here on WTMJ. Apparently, we're all too busy to vote. 80% of us, potentially. Ah! Too busy chasing poonchkis at my local bakery to go out and, I don't know, spend 10 minutes. That's the stuff that drives me nuts. This fixation, fascination on the tradition stuff. But yet, voting, probably the most important tradition, is lost. Not cared about. I spent some time yesterday afternoon watching the HBO series uh, John, on John Adams. Just looking at the founding of this country, first 50 years. What these men and women went through. To ensure that we'd have a freedom-based a freedom country not a monarchy, and we yet we treat it, we take it for granted. We treat it like it doesn't matter. Mike joins us from Illinois, as he often does, leads us off today. Hey, Mike. Good morning, Steve. Another beautiful day in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin, perfect for voting and eating punchki. You can do both. You can do both things at the same, well, maybe not at the same time, but close together. Well, I already had my punchki, and if I was, Legally able to vote in Wisconsin, I'd be voting today. Can you have a, do you have an explanation? This is really what I want to get to. Why people would choose not to vote. It's simple. There's many ways you can vote. I, I'm being told this is the yes. most important election of our lifetime. What's the reason why people wouldn't show up? Well, it is extremely important. And, of course, there's voter apathy. I don't think a lot of people, A, have a sense of history and how important it is and how much, especially local elections, affect their lives, possibly, certainly in the short run, more than national elections. And it seems that people just don't have a sense of that. Yeah, thanks for the call, Mike. And that is true. 
direct impact on your bottom line, your taxes in your community, what your city looks like. Is it forward thinking or is it I like it the way it was 50 years ago? There's still some of that hanging on. It's not realistic, but there's still some of that going on in this country. From the old National Bank talking text line, uh, hey, Steve, I agree with you. It's sad that only 15 or 20% of the people do vote. I think they're apathetic. Maybe they don't think their they're one vote counts, and then it gives them an excuse to complain about the results. Yeah, we have no problem complaining. We have 100% complainers. Apparently today, maybe 20% voters. Not a good ratio. Uh, Mitch from Sturgeon Bay, of course you are corrected as voter laziness. You are, you are a lazy voter if you either don't vote, vote in an uninformed fashion, or simply go out on major elections that are driven by the media and vote party lines, sending the same underachievers back to legislatures time after time. I think Mitch sums it up pretty well. Mitch gets it. Look, if you're going to complain, I'll make the classic argument. If you're going to complain, I think you should have to vote. Now, obviously, it's up to you. And public record, we can see who votes. We don't know who they vote for, but we can see who votes. That's why if you have people knocking on your door come campaign season, that's because you voted. Now, we have a very important Supreme Court race, four candidates. And I made it my show poll. You can, you can hit it up on 620 WTMJ and, and a lot of votes, lots of votes already. And I think this is kind of going to be a foreshadowing, even though it's an unscientific poll, of what actually happens today. Janet Protosiewicz in the lead, Jennifer Doro second. I, would, I fully expect that to be the end-of-day results. Now, surprises can happen. Daniel Kelly could come out of nowhere. And, and finish number two. And uh, there's a lot of reasoning behind that. I'm not going to belabor you with all those details. Uh, for the 414, Steve, when I get done, when I get done from work, I'm going to go vote. Well, that's good. Here's a, a texter who tells me how to do the show. Steve, calm down. Stop shouting. You know why? Shockers, it pisses me off. If we're going to be a country found, founded on not freedoms, exclusively, but complaining, owning the other side, pointing fingers, politically speaking. Doesn't that ring hollow if you don't actually take the time to vote yourself? Is being apathetic or sick and tired of politics? I get the sick and tired part, trust me. And I'm going to spend the second part of this hour talking about Madge Green representative of the U.S. House of Representatives, who is frankly out of her frickin' mind and yet is an elected representative in this country. What used to be the best and the brightest is now often, to use a movie term, the dumb and dumber. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, 920... I always say the fix is in. There's no fix. You you pick the people. Now, you can complain about the candidates, certainly. Because last time I checked, as much as I've utilized this, the write-ins typically aren't going to win office. So that's more of a, I, I just can't vote for these people, but I still want to vote. I understand the process. Some people call it a wasted vote. I don't. Uh, let's see. 309 area code. I'm turned up by the primary format. I can't vote for candidates I want. One Democrat in race one, one Republican for race two. I always do vote in the general. I got to say no. 
Just vote. Find a candidate you like and vote. If you don't, if you have multiple races and you don't want to vote in one, vote in the other. But get out there and vote. Participate. As far as I'm concerned, if you are complaining about the country or states or municipality you live in and you don't vote, I really don't care about your opinion. I don't. Sorry. And that may hurt your feelings. Don't care. Mark joins us from Milwaukee. Welcome to the show, Mark. Good morning. You're on WTMJ. Welcome. Good morning. I'm going to personally go and vote. You know, I'll get that out there. But the reason people don't go and vote is nothing changes. Look at Cavalier Johnson. How long has he been in office now, Steve? Uh, a year, year. Yeah, a year, right? And when, what did he run on? We're going to make Milwaukee a safer place. We're going to put a Shante Hamilton in charge of this, uh, you know, crime prevention committee. You know, we're going to do this. What did we have already? We had an officer killed. Last night alone, didn't we have three, or the last two days, didn't we have three to five kids that were shot? <laughs> So what changed there on Cavalier well, Johnson. I mean, what really changed on the Mayor Johnson thing? I, I, you got to give someone more than a year, but I, I, I understand the point. It's a fair point. We've seen the violent stories in Milwaukee. That's not a good thing. So I get your point. But on on the voting thing, we put these people in office. So unless you're saying the candidate pool just sucks, which is what you're saying, right? There's there's no good candidates. You just nothing ever changes. Well, I'm not saying this isn't like Oak Creek where we're voting for a new a new high school pool. In Milwaukee, it's a whole different. It's a whole different animal, you know. It's a whole different animal with crime and violence, and you know, it's you know the schools. I mean, it's you know, it's everything. So, who are we going to vote for? What are they going to say today or on the commercials? You know, what are they going to say? We're going to we're going to work on crime, just like you said, to, just like Cavalier Johnson said at Third Street Market Hall. Oh, you know, I'm glad to see everybody together. Let's get the preachers working. <laughs> All right, I voted for that guy. I actually voted for him. So now I wish I didn't. I mean, let me ask. Let me change. ask you this, Mark. Let me ask you this: Should we just give up? Are we? Are we? Are we giving into this stuff? I mean, at some point, if if let's say crime's your issue, there's a Supreme Court right. race. There's there's going to be a referendum on issues related to crime in the April election, general election. So if that's your issue, you actually could impact those decisions, that decision making, by choosing a candidate for Supreme Court that, in in the layman's terms, is tough on crime. That's a way you could change things. Yeah, yeah, we could change it that way, but right now I think we gave up on crime. I hope that's, that's not the case. Yeah, on. Thanks for the call, Mark. I hope that's not the case, because that is giving in. Look, all kinds of reasons not to vote. All I'm saying is it takes 10 minutes out of your day. And frankly, I'm sick and tired of hearing people are so busy. You decide your schedule. Most people control their own schedule. So you decide how busy you are. So don't come at me with, I'm too busy to vote, I'm too busy to do this, I'm too busy. No, you decide what your schedule is, what your priorities are. And if your priority is not voting, what are you doing complaining? One quick text before we get to the news at the bottom here on WCMJ. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen to the show. 414. I don't vote after 2020, they're all rigged. That is the danger of what's happened in this country. When you took a big lie and you made it so widespread, so commonly held, that belief, that now people are saying, eh, not going to waste my time. That's the danger. That's the atrocity, word used on purpose, of what happened after 2020. And anybody 
who still engages in this nonsense, I have zero respect for you. Zero respect. The election wasn't rigged. Your candidate lost. And the sooner you put your big boy or big girl pants on and understand that, the better off we will be. Because the net result of the negativity and the nonsense associated with the 2020 election review, and I'm air quoting election review because none of that review showed anything of significance, despite press conferences, Gableman commissions, hell, sheriffs were having press conferences for Pete's sake, which yielded nothing, by the way. That's the danger of that. After the break, a shining example of the idiocy of an elected representative in the U.S. House of Representatives, officially Marjorie Taylor Greene. I know her as Madge. Welcome back to the show. Thanks to Debbie for the bottom of the hour news there. So I I, uh, encourage... Somebody on the text line said, you know, what's the point? The point is, I encourage people to get out and vote. It's it's embarrassing, infuriating that only roughly 20%, give or take a few percentage points, are going to take the time to vote today. None of us are that busy. Maybe don't wait in line for a punchki today. Maybe just, maybe just go out and vote. I said, I'm kind of busy. You're not that busy. I still want you to vote. <laughs> Producer Brandon, it's a big, big time star now in the morning news program, sports guy. He's got a lot going on. He is a busy Stop guy. Stop using the term star. Yeah. I'm going to say it over and over again because you are <laughs> you are a rising star, my friend. Producer Brandon, if you didn't hear the big news, he's the morning sports guy. He's going to make that uh, that thing hot. Not that it wasn't hot before. Hotter. So listen to him and Vince and Eric. More Brandon than Vince and Eric. I'm just kidding. He's, he's uh, all that and more. All right. So I spent a half hour telling you, please go vote. And for the people that said stop shouting, please go vote. Vote, please. As as, nicely as I can say it. And oh, by the way, if we're going to use the don't shout encouragement, that applies for every station. And if if you're a consumer of Radio Milwaukee, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Or in the state. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Georgia, Republican. Not one to shy away from a news camera, famous for yelling out loud at hearings, State of the Union addresses, harassing her colleagues, especially those on the other side of the aisle. Certified lunatic. If you get a chance, Google Marjorie Taylor Greene workout. You talk about someone who doesn't understand how to use exercise equipment, that would be her. Now, I give her credit for working out, but boy, talk about an injury waiting to happen, that's Marjorie Taylor Greene. But set that aside. She continues to make headlines. She's apparently a close friend of Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy now because they're buds, so she feels safe. She says this. In a string of controversial statements... This one on Twitter. We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Now, that last piece, yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. The other piece, mm, not so much. She goes on to say, Madge Green does, everyone I talk to says this. 
from the sick and disgusting world cultures issues shoved down our throats with the Democrats' traitorous America's America last policies. We are done. And then, just for the heck of it, I looked up the 14th Amendment, which looks at citizenship, rights of citizens, things like equal protection under the law. And I went to Section 3, 14th Amendment, Section 3. You can look it up yourself. You can Google easily searchable. No person shall be a senator or representative of Congress or elector or president, vice president, vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, on the United States or under any state who have previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer in any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. What does that all mean? Don't support the overthrow of your own governments. Now, I've talked about this issue before, the red and blue state thing. It's happening unofficially as we speak. California, New York on the liberal side, Idaho, South Dakota, Florida. I would, I would say Wisconsin, but that's more legislature-focused because we have a Democratic governor and it's a 50-50 state. So I, I'd leave us out of that. Now, everyone has a right to say whatever they want with some express limitations. Can't yell fired in a crowded theater is the easiest example to kind of prove that point. But when you say, as she did, we need a national divorce separating red states and blue states, that's calling for a civil war. That's calling for a civil war. In my opinion, that goes too far. It's not a vetting of the politics of the day. It's saying to people in these states, you, we got to get out of this mess. We're not going to be part of this. And a, a, a texter or an email made a great point. All right, so you're going to replace the federal funds in your state. How exactly? You're going to secure your borders. How exactly? You're going to get your mail delivered. How exactly? I mean, all the functions, core functions of a federal government. How are you going to do that exactly? Because we know one of the, the values of a 50 states free country is revenue is shared amongst the states, allowing small states, less populated states, to enjoy the benefits of being part of that bigger 50 state picture. So whether you're a liberal or conservative, the Democrat or Republican, I'm curious what you think about Madge Green, Marjorie Taylor Green, whatever whatever you want to call her. A member of the U.S. House of Representatives, who openly, her words, not mine, calls for a civil war. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Ten years ago, certainly 20 years ago, that would have not been allowed to happen. A comment like that could have gotten you removed from your seat, either by the voters or by the body. Now we have serial liars 
lunatics, extremists, people who advocate for the destruction of Israel, one of our great allies. And that somehow passes for political discourse today in 2023. Shameful, inexcusable, and a byproduct of the hate and vitriol and extreme rhetoric that's been allowed to happen in this country for the last 20 or 30 years. It's not shocking that it's happened. It's shocking the words that are being used. 855-616-1620. When you hear her words, this can go either way. There's some people that defend Margie Taylor Green or Madge Green. Defend it if you want to. More than happy to hear those thoughts. Join us in the conversation on WTMJ. Lots of texters sending me examples of uh, Democrats. Sure, Rashida Tlaib. I've talked about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Who have had, if they had the, the power and the control, this country would not look like it does now. And that's not a positive. That's a negative. Their vision or version of the, of the country where capitalism isn't allowed to flourish would be dangerous. But I don't want to play the what about game. I'm talking about Madge Green, her comments. One of the texters said, you're taking words out of context. I read her direct quotes, her words. They were in quotes. I read them. Rich joins us from Russine. Hey, Rich. How you doing, sir? I am good on this Thank you Tuesday. for having me on. Absolutely. What do you think? I, I think, uh, look, just because I divorced my wife doesn't mean I'm going to kill her. Uh, it, it, it's a big stretch from we need to separate into like groups to let's start a war to do it. You have counties in Colorado wanting to leave Colorado and join the neighboring states. You have counties in in uh, Washington wanting to join Idaho to get away from the far left wing policies of the state. Uh, just because she's calling for a separation doesn't mean she means through arms. Now, I, I grant you that based on her history, it's not an unreasonable interpretation. Okay, but th- things can always be done. Peaceably, the founding fathers put it in the Constitution, states come in, states come out. Uh, There's ways that it can be done without resulting in violence uh, that should be looked at, frankly, because uh, I I honestly believe we're too split. All right, so, Rich, great call and a great point, but let's look at the big big picture. And I'm getting a lot of feedback, so if if I let you go, I'll, I'll try to explain what I think you're saying. So you are arguing for less government, is that correct? Absolutely. Okay, which I'm not an opponent of. I actually think the federal government, they put their hands into too many different things and often make a mess. But... One of the things that makes this country... I'm going to let you go, Rich, because you're, you're, I'm getting a lot of feedback. Uh, one of the things that makes this country great is the fact that we have 50 states. And this commitment to a constitution and freedom. I also understand, at the same time, it's that whole walk-and-chew-gum thing that a lot of people have problems with. So I can call for for a smaller federal government, yet still think the foundational importance of having 50 now, we didn't at the beginning, also gives us strength. It allows us to overcome extremists in most cases. My point in all of this is extremism is rising. 
I know people hate when I do this. Go, go back to the January 6th insurrection. On that day, be honest. Did anyone think we would see that in our country? I didn't. And that's why on that day, if you want to be honest, Republicans and Democrats condemned it. At that time. They've since backtracked some people. I was stunned, shocked, saddened by what I saw. I understand politically it's not positive to talk about that. So the new stance for my Republican friends is ignore January 6th, ignore the election review period. Because it's not going to gain them votes. But I don't live in a world where we forget our history. Because as anyone who knows history, if you don't learn from it, you're going to repeat the bad mistakes. So when I see people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Madge Greene, saying things in the extremist way she does, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, for Pete's sake, who I have no idea how this guy is as popular as he is. He's got a new book out, which essentially hands all the power to government and none to the people in some weird quest, he thinks, to make things fair. Life's not fair. Nature's not fair. There's always winners and losers. Now, we have functioning brains. We can walk around and think, hopefully do two things at the same time. Acknowledging the imperfections in government, but also understanding the connective tissue of our political system that keeps us together, keeps us functioning. Just for example, look at the rest of the world. People struggling, people starving, constant fights, violence, racism. We have elements of that, but not to the degree they do. And one of the reasons, my opinion, that we don't is because we have the unity of the 50 states and the power of the federal government. We can disagree on the, the range of that power, how far it goes, what it shouldn't be involved in. That's a proper political discourse. But to advocate, and I'm not twisting her words, I read her exact words, direct quote, in the quotes, in the words she said. There's no twisting. And given her history, as the caller said from Racine, it's not a leap of faith to consider that somebody like Madge Green does advocate for violence. That's the dangerous part. That's the next step here, folks. We saw a glimmer of that on January 6th. 2021. This radio host hopes we don't see that again. But as I say these words, I know there's people out there that say, bring it on, let's do it again. And on this election day, that can't happen. In a free society, that shouldn't happen. Just a real quick text from somebody who actually lives in Madge Green's district. Joe from Atlanta. As a resident in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. I find everything she says as embarrassing and borderline offensive. I wish the Republican Party of Georgia would put another candidate against her. Well, I mean, that's up to the candidates. That's up to the people of the state of Georgia, but uh, that's somebody who actually lives in that district. Just a final thought on this. 
we're always going to disagree on politics. I was, as I said, I was watching John Adams on HBO yesterday, and there was fundamental disagreement on what the leadership of the country should look like, the rules, the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and they were argued as strong as you can argument. That's healthy debate. But at the end of that debate, they shook hands for the most part. They agreed that the union was stronger than the disunion expressed by some members in leadership at the time. So the argument has always been there. The violence is the new twist. I, I have people texting me that January 6th, all that matters is that a rioter was killed. None of the other stuff matters. You can have that opinion. It's a free country. While I mourn the loss of a life, I also understand that the country was in direct threat that day from violent protesters who, if they would have had their way, would have changed this country's history forever. Remember that. We'll take a break. After the break, should Fox News change their name? The results of yesterday's show poll and your thoughts. Breaking down the biggest story. We're losing officers. We're losing our children in this community. A community I love, by the way. Talking about what really matters. We cannot let this stand. And whether it's sentencing or mental health commitment of dollars there or, or tougher sentencing, whatever it is, what are we actually getting accomplished? And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello. Political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the day from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Here's Steve Scafidi. Yes, an homage to Charlie Sykes on Election Day here in Wisconsin. Get out and vote. Get up off your you-know-whats and vote. Come on, people. Find a reason. No excuses. It's embarrassing that apparently only 20% of us will show up to vote today. Embarrassing. With all this vitriol, all this anger, all this hate, that's not enough motivation to get up and spend 10 minutes giving your electeds, future electeds, your thoughts on where your community, states, and eventually country goes. That's my two cents. All right. So yesterday, I had a show poll. And I never really got to the conversation I wanted to have. Here's the show, Paul. I'm going to play for you. This goes back a ways, but it's it's sort of reaction of an anchor on Fox in this in the aftermath of the election and, and, and the absurdity of all those arguments. But the question was simple yesterday. According to transcripts from a defamation lawsuit against Fox News, which a network that I call Fox Not News now, Anchors on the network deliberately and knowingly lied about election fraud claims and Dominion voting machines. We know that because the transcripts of this suits brought forth by Dominion voting machines shows that the Sean Hannity's, Tucker Carlson's, or Ingram's, and others told a much different story in their 
inter-office or text communications than they were saying on the air, knowingly and deliberately lying about election fraud and these voting machines. So I had that as my show poll today. Basically, the question was, will this impact your decision to watch Fox, not news? Yes, can't trust them, 25%. So that's 25% of the non-scientific poll that says, you know what, I'm not going to watch them anymore. No, never watched, 57%. Not surprising. This is the part that was surprising to me, because I will fully admit Fox dominates the ratings. It's not even close. Blows away CNN, blows away MSNBC, nearly every competitor. Third choice, I watch for entertainment, 9%. It's a small number for a network that dominates the ratings. All right, so let's go back. Let's go back to the aftermath of the 2020 election. This is Neil Cavuto talking about all of that stuff. And there's a point I want to make after that. Let's play it. Illegal votes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I just think we have to be very clear. She's charging. Uh, the other side is welcoming fraud and welcoming illegal voting. Unless she has more details to back that up, I can't in good countenance continue showing you this. I want to make sure that maybe they do have something to back that up. But that's an explosive charge to make. The other side is effectively rigging and cheating. Uh, if she does bring proof of that, of course, we'll take you back. So far, she has started saying right at the outset, welcoming fraud, welcoming illegal voting. Not so fast. So that's just a snippet of, of at least one anchor saying, hold on a second here. We're talking about things that aren't proven. And let me give you my 60 seconds overview of the 2020 election. Donald Trump lost. People were angry about it. They manufactured or took that anger into bizarre, unproven theories about election conspiracies, rigging, voting machines. Some of this stuff is so far-fetched and so filled with lunacy, it doesn't deserve airtime. But I think Fox has an interesting challenge here. You've been caught red-handed. There is proof. It's on a document. It's on public records now that your principal anchors, I know people don't think they're, some people don't think they're journalists, but they kind of portray themselves as that. I've told you over and over again, they're not. Neither are the Don Lemons, who got busted down to the morning show, or any of the MSNBC hosts. They're entertainers, the Rachel Maddows. They're entertainers, they're not journalists. So caught red-handed in a court of law, does that impact Fox's credibility? I don't see how it couldn't. I've actually had to change my viewing habits. So in the early days of the show, I would watch most of the networks, sample them every night, over and over again, every day that I had a show, seeing what was said. And I realized a few years later, it was a fundamental waste of time. Because I wasn't getting any real information. I was getting opinion from the left and the right, which was useless. But the bigger point is, so many of us are now using that source material as their facts to make arguments. I can't tell you how many arguments I've had, not arguments, conversations, in public, away from the show, where 
ridiculous talking points made by entertainers on supposed news networks are just put forward with no thought, no research, no understanding of what the person that's saying and saying the, these things which should really know about the topic they're talking about. Water cooler conversation gone wild. Uh, I think we have Jorge. Is it Jorge or George uh, from Waukesha? Yes. Welcome. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Steve. Okay. The, the, the thing is this, about what you're talking about, the importance of going on boat. Yeah, because later we complain, you know, like the, the person that called and said that, uh, when uh, Camarillo Johnson got into the city and uh, nothing has been happening, so so. Okay, so everything is about if you vote, that you might have the right to complain. So I have a point, and everything is going according to the, the stuff that happens with Trump, how they accuse him for not uh, presenting his income tax and all that kind of stuff. So how about, let's say you have a neighbor, and you know he's got a business. He has employees, and he pays cash. What will you do? Will you turn it into the IRS? Or will you be like those persons that says, oh, well, you know what? The guy is working. Let him work. I mean, the government screws us. Why he doesn't have it? If he don't get caught, it's his problem. Or you will be like the person that says, hey, if you said that, hey, wait for the karma. The karma is going to get you. What does karma have to do with doing the right thing, constitution thing? One stall that was written in the Constitution, if you are part of this country, has to do the same thing. So please, let's go on vote and let's stop complaining. Thank you very much. Oh, you're sir. welcome. And, and I, pre- I gave him the time to make that, that point. And if you, if you know someone's breaking the law, I would think you would report the law, or the, the criminal activity, right? Look, what I really wanted to get out of this next half hour, 855-616-1620, does it matter to you that you're being lied to? Does it matter? Because I I know that the national conversation on Fox has shifted. We know they're they're just you know making stuff. We but we 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 see it now as entertainment. Well, you didn't say that you know six months ago or a year ago. So you can pretend that you just subtly moved your opinion to the ah it's just fun fun and games entertainment own the lives and that's the bigger point right. Owning the libs or owning the conservatives on the other side has obscured any real conversation about politics. It's made people cheer for bad news. I don't do it very often anymore, but I just I, I go on Facebook occasionally, and, and frankly, I'm starting to hate the platform. And there may be a point where I just pull the plug, because I hate the platform. Where people are actively cheering for recession, you know the 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 uh, economic know-it-alls, because it makes the current president look bad. And I'll just put it this way before we go to break: regardless of your, of your politics, would you not cheer if gas was cheaper? Would you not cheer if the economy was doing well? Would you not cheer if we had record low unemployment, which we do? If inflation went down, even if it was in, to the benefit of this president, or would you encourage? High inflation, people losing their jobs, layoffs, high gas prices. Because it makes your party or your presidential nominee in 2024 look better. That's the danger of accepting fake arguments, fake news, made-up stuff. 
replacing real facts or good news. Don't be a negative, a cheer for negative, negative news. That's not helping. And unfortunately, that's a byproduct of, as I said, decades of politics as sports. Blurring the lines between common sense logic and just absolute absurdity. That's the danger. You want to join us? 855-616-1620, as Jorge just did. Get out and vote today. Stop complaining if you don't vote. Should Fox Not News Network lose the news? Just go by Fox. Seems like an easy question, right? Because... Clearly, what's going on there is not not news-based. It's not fact-based. Again, not ignoring the fact that they're immensely popular. The network to go to for conservatives, Republicans, I sample it still, occasionally. More for the absurdity of what I'm hearing, just like the the Lawrence O'Donnells on, on MSNBC. My goodness. So much of what passes for political commentary, now I've said this before in our market and, and, and about the national story. It's like you want these things to happen. It's your wish list, but that's not a real examination of the facts of the case, right? You can cheerlead. I, I get it, but don't call yourself a news program. Just like journalists, advocacy journalists, left or right, You're not a journalist if you're advocating for things. You're cheerleading for one side. It's like Facebook journalists. Not not a real thing. You can call it that if you want, but it's not a real thing. Uh, From the 920, Steve, I voted this morning. Yes, we are being lied to every day by the news, weather, and sports shows. Man, you indicted everybody. Too much opinion, not enough real news. A lot of the lying is omission reporting news that doesn't follow a network's political stance. Yes, the network talk shows are entertainers. You and Jeff Wagner included it in the not news. I've said this before. I got mocked for it. I'm not a journalist. This is entertainment. I'm on a news talk station. Entertainment talk. We do fun things on occasion. There's satire. We'll tease. But the, the goal of the program, the mission statement, I get asked this question a lot, what's the goal of the show? Is kind of illuminate some of this stuff. Because I can guarantee you today, there's people out there that think MSNBC is the greatest thing ever. And on the other side, Fox News, what will we do about it? What, what will you do without it? Oh, my goodness. We couldn't survive. But the sad reality is, or the good reality is, you would survive. You would be forced to find sources that you believe in. Now, Someone asked me, what's the source that you believe in? I digest it all, and I take an informed opinion and use my best judgment, right? So I sample more than probably most because I have a radio show. Use your brain. Listen better, be smarter. Leadership is hard. Not many people are good at it. And ask yourself, when you're listening to someone who, who is a talker, whether that's nationally, local, whatever, what's their experience? Have they done real-life jobs? Have they had experience in budgeting when they're talking about state budgets or the federal deficit? Or have they just yacked it up on a microphone for 20 or 30 years? Those are fair questions to ask. 
Experience sometimes gives you knowledge, especially direct experience. You've handled large budgets, either in the private sector or the public sector. I've done both. Doesn't make me a genius, trust me. My wife reminds me of that every day. But it gives you an informed opinion that you don't get when your sole experience in life is talking slash shouting on a microphone. Uh, Diane says on the old National Bank talking text line, you were reading my mind, Steve. I literally thought yesterday, how, how can they still say news with any sense of truth, or why doesn't the FCC hold them on that? There's all, that's a much bigger, broader conversation about the FCC. There's, there's a lot of people who would like to see a return to fairness. That's a conversation we're going to have on this show, because I've been thinking about this. When we unleash this one side versus both sides form of broadcasting, we change this country. We change the direction of this country. Doesn't mean you're going to eliminate political arguments. That's always been the case since day one, actually before day one, and till today. That doesn't go away. But the willingness to digest the news, the real news, things that happen, we can no longer rely on national networks to, to, to do that because it's entertainment. They've abdicated that responsibility. And now for the first time, to kind of put a ribbon on this, one network, Fox News, has been exposed. Real facts, real transcripts, real text that they sense or received that illustrates. Here's what really happened. Here's what we're going to say. And those two things were vastly different. In my world, that's a lie. Perpetuated for... One reason, dollars and cents. Nothing more, nothing less. Thanks for tuning in, as always. If you get a chance, hit up our show, Paul. We'll give you kind of a running look throughout the show today, and I'll probably revisit it tomorrow. Because we'll, tomorrow we'll be talking about election results, right? Big race for the Wisconsin Supreme Court to narrow that race down to two people. Uh, so let's take a look. Let me find Twitter quickly. Profile. There we go. Let's get the updated numbers as of uh, 10.35 here at WTMJ. Simple question. Election day across the state of Wisconsin. Who gets your vote for Supreme Court? I'm going to go in order. This is not the order of finish or voting so far. But Jennifer Dora with 31%. Daniel Kelly, a very low five. Everett Mitchell, 8.3. And Janet Protosiewicz. 55%. She's the leader on the course with more than 300 votes. Unscientific, but I would not be shocked if Doro and Protosewitz were the two choices coming out of today's election. We'll obviously revisit that in the 9 o'clock hour on tomorrow's program. All right. I wanted to get to this because I've talked about violence and discipline in schools. It's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. My wife's a teacher, was threatened during her time as a teacher by individuals in her school. Thankfully, nothing came of that. But it's a threat that teachers, students, staff face all the time. So our friends at the Badger Institute, Mark Lisheron was the person who wrote the report that I'm going to refer to has said in his piece, lead paragraph, 
spokesman from Milwaukee Mayor Kevlar Johnson told the Badger Institute it is likely that Milwaukee police officers will have a renewed presence in some Milwaukee schools in 2023. And to that I say hallelujah. This is good news. This is something that's overdue. This is something that parents have asked for. So where did this come from? Well, we know that in 2016, officers were essentially removed. For a while, the school board in Milwaukee allowed officers to patrol around the school. Think about this. They allowed them to patrol around the school. But in 2020, remove that as well, after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. The overreaction. My word. Look at the numbers. This comes from the mayor's office. Fall semester. 34 MPS high schools made 778 calls for police service. 21% higher than the calls last spring and 16%, 16 16.5% more than the calls made in fall of 2021. Problem getting worse, not better. Why do I think this is a good idea? Because we are losing control of our schools. And it's not, I don't, I don't want to just pick an MPS. I think parents have an expectation that when they send their kids to school, they'll be safe there. And often that's not the case. We all know about building. It's been around forever. And as we know, those of us who are adults know that bullying continues in adulthood. It's just manifests in different ways. The perpetually angry, the shouters who can't go to a self-checkout line without making a speech and, and losing their minds in a public display of bullying, berating employees, berating other customers, all of that. But set that aside. Jeff Fleming, a spokesman for Mayor Johnson, discussions of putting officers back in schools have advanced significantly between MPS and MPD. 855-616-1620. I enthusiastically support this idea. Two reasons. One, got to keep our kids safe. If the number of calls for police assistance in an environment where they don't like police is going up, that's a trend we need to stop right now. And two, and I've made this point over and over again, especially in the younger grades, where we haven't lost the kids yet, although that age of that losing is younger and younger every year. This is an opportunity. If one of your principal talking points about police community relations is we have to relate to each other, you don't relate to each other when you're not in the same building. You're not in the same school district. What's happened in MPS and other school districts is an erosion of discipline. I don't care who you talk to. Administrators, school board members, faculty, students. They don't feel safe. And that has to end. So I applaud the efforts of the mayor. He's looking at it. He understands something has to change. And if there's a fundamental 
point to be made about all of this. Crime, behavior in schools, underperformance academically. It's that some order and normal practice has to be part of this conversation. I, I loosely use the term back to basics, but I mean it. I get school board members all the time go, what do you mean by that? Shouldn't we have a diversity of classes? Of course you should. But at its core, schools should teach the basics first. You have to pass those to get to the other stuff. Bob from Waukesha joins us on the phone. You can join us as well, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Steve. Long time no talk. Yes. Thanks for calling. What do you think? Yeah, you bet. Well, I, if this this is an up this is going to be uphill uh, because of the history, but if this is done appropriately, this is such a positive thing, not just for the school system, but for law enforcement in general. I I, I worked with the schools prior to the advent of school resource officers, right. officers that were specifically assigned to schools. And I, I feel like I had a very positive influence, uh, and, and it can curtail crime. And it, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's great to hear that they're, they're exploring this possibility. Let me ask you this, Bob, because you served in a career in law enforcement. Those folks who say it's a bad look or it, it makes the students uneasy, how do you address that? I mean, I don't feel that way. I think it's, it's something you can actually encourage more positive relationships between law enforcement, public safety folks, and the students. But what do you? how do you react to that? Well, it's incumbent upon the Milwaukee Police Department or any police department that's that's initiating a school resource officer program to, to, to really, really, during the selection process, determine who should and who shouldn't be involved in that. And, and, and the students, you know, contrary to what some people think, the school students really learn to identify with the police officers that are working in the schools. It's just, oh, it's just, it, it's great to hear. Thanks for the call, Bob. And, and again, Bob, Bob has served in law enforcement uh, and has expertise in that area, as he said. So here, here's the other part of this. So I'm reading the, the piece from Badger Institute, written by Mark Lisheron. I think it's, I'm saying his name right there. If, I, if I'm not, I apologize. So they asked other groups to comment on this, including, by the way, MPS board president Bob Peterson. She passed, or he rather, passed on the request to Catrice Cotton in the Office of School Administration and requested that she respond within five business days. No response. The co-executive director of Leaders Igniting Transformation, Cindy, and I apologize for the pronunciation, EO Tanya, the organization that spearheaded the initial drive to get officers out of schools, also did not respond to a request for, request for an interview. So not only do we have a fundamental change, or at least a request for change, an embracing of the concept that maybe law enforcement belongs in our schools to keep them safe, to keep the kids safe, to keep the teachers safe, to help the students feel safer so they can actually learn in school, which hopefully would enhance performance, academic performance. But the agencies, the groups that 
push so hard to get police officers out of schools can't be bothered for a comment, including the MPS Common Council. It just, or school board rather, MPS school board president, can't be bothered to comment on it. Has to forward it on to somebody else. 855-616-1620. What do you think of the idea? And do you think this will help? I'm not going to say work or succeed, because who knows at this point. I happen to think this is a positive step in the right direction. What do you think? That's next. Police in schools. Imagine that being a controversial topic. It is somewhat stunning that that's, what, that's where we're at, right? Used to be looked upon as the leaders in a community doing the right thing. Now that's eroded. Some because some officers went too far. Not going to even attempt to deny that. Bad actors, bad training, violent behavior from police officers is, a, is something we always should focus on. But that unfortunately casts the entire profession and the public safety, safety community in a bad light, leading to, as we've talked about, school districts saying, you know what, we're done. First, no officers in schools. Second, no officers patrolling the area around schools, which... How that could even be a thing is kind of astonishing to me, but we live in a great country. Uh, from the 262, you're welcome to join us on the phone as well, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Things in schools are way worse than ever gets reported. Get some teachers talking and you would be shocked. Well, the great thing about my personal experience is I'm married to a teacher who's worked in these kinds of settings. Post-high school, high school, middle school. And many of her peers I've talked to, away from the show. The things that teachers have to put up with in schools. Parents who don't support discipline. Parents whose little Johnny or Jane is never wrong, even when they're completely wrong. Parents who look the other way when bullying is a, is a topic of conversation. And we talked a little bit about bullying yesterday. It's still ongoing. In many ways it's worse because of cyberbullying. But imagine a world where the police are not welcome as a means of controlling discipline in schools. I do think that's a deterrent to bad behavior because teachers won't touch a kid now, and they probably shouldn't. But when you have a violent, as we saw last week in Tosa, outburst, physical altercation, parent, students, it's going to go on a while because there's no one there to stop it. Back to the text line. My respect for law enforcement comes from my relationship with my school resource officer. Exactly. That's the way to nurture and develop those relationships, positive relationships. Starts early. I can only speak from my personal experience as a city leader. The city of Oak Creek and the school district of Oak Creek had a shared responsibility, including how you paid for those officers, splitting the bill. It's done differently in other places. So that's not the only way it's done, but that's how it was done there. And it's a positive, a net positive for the community. Shared the responsibility, benefit from the fact that those officers are in school. 920, 
As an adult, I'm still nervous when I see a police officer in uniform or if a police officer pulls up behind me when I'm driving, even if I'm obeying the speed limit, and I think that's okay. I think it would be a good thing for kids to feel a little nervous and uncertain to be more aware of their behavior. I think it will teach them a little discipline that, unfortunately, teachers now just can't do and administration won't do, just by their presence in the building. Well said. It's a reality I think we have to face. Understand there's abuses, but two, understand there's a net positive from having them in there. And I read you some of the numbers on violence in Milwaukee schools. That's not acceptable. And I I appreciate Mayor Johnson's willingness to revisit this, and it sounds like, at least according to his spokesperson, Jeff Fleming, that this is an avenue and a road we may go down when it comes to discipline and violence in schools. I celebrate this news. I think you should, too. Violence, discipline in schools, at least one local leader, in this case... Mayor Cavalier Johnson, city of Milwaukee, says, you know what, maybe police need to get back in schools. I applaud for the efforts. It hasn't happened yet, but encourage him to go that route. All right, so from the uh, Old National Bank talking text line, Mike from Heartland, when I was young, went to parochial schools, and the nuns would do the discipline themselves. They didn't, didn't need police officers, LOL. I could do an hour on this, but uh, I am a byproduct of the Catholic school system, at least in elementary school. St. Sylvester's. On College Avenue there and on the border between South Milwaukee and Cudahy. And uh, I will tell you this. The nuns, obviously women of faith, were scarier than the Terminator back in the <laughs> in the 60s. I'm not kidding. There was no um, warning. It was full metal jacket from the first moment you misbehaved, whether that was a ruler to the hand, a grab of the ear, a twist of the neck push away, whatever it was, they, they weren't messing around. And if women of faith, women of God can do that, imagine what else we could do to keep kids in line. An erosion of parenting, an erosion of discipline, an erosion of performance, let's try something. And in this case, let's go back to the way it was before. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Thank you for that. Now, a caller in the break, didn't want to come on the show, but um, made a great point about truant officers. Let's bring that back. Understand these things cost money. But perhaps a truant officer or two around a high school, middle school, maybe that's uh, part of the problem, is part of the problem solution as well. Let's try everything to educate our kids in a safe learning environment. After the break, Lots of conversation about vaccines. We have senators running around talking only about vaccine injuries, not the benefits of vaccines, which I think is one-sided, but set that aside. There's increasingly a lot of work being done on cancer vaccines, breast cancer vaccines. Here's my question, though. We're going to get to this in the 11 o'clock hour. All the negativity, all the politics, anti-vaxxers, the risks of vaccines, even though the benefits vastly outweigh the risks. Are we going to have a problem getting women in this case? We're talking about breast cancer. Actually, men can get breast cancer too, but a much lower level. Are we going to have vaccine hesitancy for that one as well? The danger 
of the anti-vaxxers. After the news, which is next, right here on WTMJ. Breaking down the biggest stories. We're losing officers. We're losing our children in this community. A community I love, by the way. Talking about what really matters. We cannot let this stand. And whether it's sentencing or mental health commitment of dollars there or, or tougher sentencing, whatever it is, what are we actually getting accomplished? And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Scafidi. Whenever I hear that, maybe it's because my mom was Scottish. I just get fired up. I, I stumbled upon Braveheart, one of my top ten movies of all time, last week. Beginning scenes. William Wallace is a young lad chasing his future wife, who was brutally murdered by the English. And I said, I'm just going to watch it for a few minutes. Ended up watching the entire three-plus hours, because I was watching on regular TV with commercials. The whole thing. I didn't leave my seat once. That's what that that movie affects me. So, I, would, I love the freedom part of that movie. Would you recommend it then? I've never seen it. You have to see this movie. Yeah. I want you to do this. I want you to get a. What do you have streaming and stuff? It's yeah. gotta be or HBO. Oh yeah, we got all of it. It might be on HBO Max. Just you know, we're, we're one of those houses that pays for cable, and then we have like one hundred and fifty dollars in streaming services <laughs> a month. <you> know? <laughs> yeah, weird. Um, so I want you to let's make this homework for you. I want you to watch this movie. Try to watch it without like. Stopping and doing whatever. Just watch it. It's a long movie. It's three hours. Might have to be a weekend yes. assignment. Okay. And then I want you to tell me I what you thought that. of it. Yeah. It, My it, wife's out of town this weekend. I, I I meant to ask you for some advice. You know what? What do you do when significant others not around? I eat food that she doesn't like to eat. Yeah, that's, that's what I think I'm going to do. Yeah, so that's I, exactly I what I'm Chinese do. food at some point because <laughs> she doesn't really like. Well, she does, but she doesn't like it that often. Um, so I do that, and then I watch movies. Perfect. I'll do that. So do it. Watch Braveheart. Then let me know when you watch it. We're going to talk about it on the show. Got it. That is Brandon. Snide. Do you ever think about going Brandon Sneed? That's what usually everybody calls me. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know some Sneeds that are in media. It's, prob- it's probably probably saved me a little bit of a headache. No. Snide. Easy. <laughs> Once you know it, you know it. I mean, what am I talking about? I got a Sicilian name for Pete's sakes. Anyway, thank you, Brandon. Producer Brandon. Doing heavy lifting in the morning show. Obviously, the sports guy now. Big. We never got to make that big announcement. He is the morning guy when it comes to sports. His hot takes on sports. I should say this. Smart takes on sports. All right. I understand that vaccines are controversial. Why do I say that? Because we just lived through a pandemic, and we all know all of the back and forth, anxiety, misinformation, disinformation, lunacy, all of that nonsense associated with the vaccine story. So I always want to baseline it because I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the non, to me, what is the non-important part of this story. It's generally accepted that getting a COVID vaccine will reduce the likelihood that you will die of COVID. Also understand that the knowledge we have now about the risks and the realities of COVID weren't known 
in the early days of COVID. So things and decisions we made, even like mask decisions, we didn't have the base of knowledge that we have now. So set that aside. Why did I bring this up? So I know this because I pay attention to these stories, but there is increasingly a lot of work being done on a breast cancer vaccine. Right now, the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio, working with a pharmaceutical company, easy for me to say, pharmaceutical, um, are working on a clinical trial for a new breast cancer vaccine. I don't know who, uh, you know, I don't care who you are. Most of us, friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, have been affected by this story. Deadly killer. Unless caught very early. So this vaccine that the Cleveland Clinic is working on targets a specific type of breast cancer. It's called triple negative. And they are in trials, potentially for a vaccine. Groundbreaking. But here's how I want to approach this topic. We have seen the rise, and I'm going to use my words. You can choose to argue if you want, disagree. That's fine. That's what we do on this show. We encourage dissent. We've seen the rise of vaccine disinformation to the point where typically smart parents are making bad decisions, I think, when it comes to the vaccination of their kids for older diseases, diseases that, we, that we've essentially conquered and are now coming back. Mumps is an example. Measles. Things we eradicated but because of scare tax tactics, sometimes put forward by celebrities, related to getting kids vaccinated, some parents have chosen their children over society. I understand the argument. Your kids first and foremost. But it's not debatable that the overall efficacy of vaccines are tremendously successful in knocking down diseases that used to kill us or maim children. So my question is simple. If a, if a conversation about cancer or vaccines can ever be simple, has the disinformation, misinformation campaign about the COVID vaccine hurt the chances for women, primarily, choosing to accept a vaccine for breast cancer? And sadly, I think the answer is yes. And I think that's a bad thing. 855-616-1620. I'm not saying there's not risk to vaccines. There are. But those risks are extremely isolated and small compared to the tremendous benefits and efficacy of vaccines for a lot of different things that have plagued our country and our world for a long time. 855-616-1620. COVID vaccine, disinformation, misinformation. Will that hurt the next vaccine or the one after that? Sadly, I think the answer is yes. Will the pushback against the COVID vaccine, and it's real, trust me, I've talked to a lot of people who got the early vaccine and said, yeah, I'm not doing it anymore. Or people that say, no, this is a, a government's hoax. COVID's not real. COVID's the flu, blah, 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 internet knowledge, talk show, squawkers, and the like. But my argument is this. That's 
vaccine disinformation, well, that hurts future vaccines. Now, there's an obvious difference between a breast cancer vaccine and something like COVID or the measles or the mumps. It's not, it's not passed on by transmission between one person or the other, but it's still a vaccine. And as we know, some people, some politicians are casting vaccines in a very negative way including a senator from Wisconsin. From Jim in Oconomowoc, my wife and I used to go to a small family-run Italian restaurant outside Milwaukee. It's a bit of a drive, and the owners were clearly Trump supporters while we were not. We no longer see them, not because of their, not because of their right-wing political views, because their politics killed them. They embraced the anti-vaccine stance promoted by the right, and they both died of COVID in late 2021 as a result. I, too, have had stories shared with me over and over again, with this sort of outcome and it's sad because the fundamental benefit of getting a COVID vaccine generally accepted by most of science, not all, nothing's absolute. We know that now is that getting a COVID vaccine and boosters reduces the likelihood you will die of COVID. Simple as that. Doesn't mean you won't get COVID. Not true. You could get COVID. Doesn't mean you won't get sick. You could get sick but it generally keeps you out of the hospital and out of a coffin as a result of COVID. From the 480 area code, vaccine takes years to properly test for side effects. The test for COVID vaccine was rushed. The lack of testing and government coercion contributed to the skepticism of the COVID vaccine. I didn't get the COVID vaccine for these reasons, but I plan to get the shingles vaccine because that has been years of testing. The argument that science has made when it comes to the COVID vaccine it wasn't time so much as the intensity of the trials. Decisions were made that not so much time, but the intensity of the trials, and there were trials, determined that the vaccine was safe. Now, again, this is just personal. I had the vaccine and all the boosters. I've been in large group settings like stadiums. I've been in 747s, international travel, local travel, workplaces, restaurants, and maybe this is luck, maybe it's something else, never gotten COVID. Never got it. And luck might be part of that. I know people that have passed away from COVID. I understand the, there's this other weird piece of this, and and there's a reason I know this, but many families because they of their thoughts about politics and COVID, don't want their relative who's, who has died to be tied to that story, so they, they don't communicate that part of it. And that's their right. That's their privacy, whatever. So we don't really know the numbers, but the easiest way to kind of sort through the BS is to know that people died at a higher rate in the last few years than they did before that. And you can point to other things if you want to, but most reasonable, rational adults have probably made the decision that it's COVID-related. And you want to get the real answer? Talk to somebody who runs a funeral home or a cemetery. They'll give you a straight answer, trust me. And it probably won't be one you like if you're a COVID denier. Uh, Let's see. Steve, I disagree with you. That's fine. Heather from Westbound. The main problem that many of us who refused the COVID vaccine had was the fact that it was rushed through the testing process. I've explained that, but I'll, I'll continue reading your, your text. 
Any new vaccines have gone through the timely process of testing. If my doctor thought the breast cancer vaccine was safe for me to take, I probably would, Heather and West Bend. I respect that you disagree with me. I will say this. If that was your thought at the beginning of this, that was rushed, even though science would tell you the intensity of the trials were just as substantial as other vaccines. Timing might be, have been shorter, but this nation faced a critical decision, especially after the early days of COVID. Again, keep in mind, knowledge now is not what we had then. We had nursing homes, west side of the United States, west coast of the United States, who had employees die, or, uh, patients dying significant rates, well past normal rates. So decisions had to be made. But we've had now two-plus years since the pandemic started. It has been tested over and over again with a, oh, by the way, a sample size of the entire population of the United States. And I haven't done it uh, lately. I'll pull it up after the break, the latest uh, vaccine numbers for the country. It's not as large as you would think. And it diminishes after the first vaccine. But I worry that given our reaction to something like COVID and the vaccine, that even a non-transmissible disease like breast cancer, that, that anti-vaxxed mentality is baked into people's brains. And we've already seen the rise of parents saying no to all vaccines. Their school district that they live in requires it. They go somewhere else. They move. I know someone that did this. You're not requiring that. I'm not going to do this. They moved their family out of the area, out states. Look, a texter takes issue with me. I understand there's hesitancy. There is with almost anything. There's hesitancy. Believe it. Trust me. I know this. I talk to my doctor all the time. There's hesitancy about people just going to the doctor. Good friends of mine have passed away far too early because they never went to the doctor at all. Diseases that they could have easily had treated in the early stages went unchecked. And if I do any public service in this conversation... Go, I, I've had a physical every year since I was in my 20s. Same doctor, by the way. There's value in that. 855-616-1620. I will look up the current vaccine rates during the break. What do you think? I think this is going to have a significant impact on future decision-making when it comes to vaccines. Not only with parents of children, but adults making decisions, even in non-transmissible Diseases with non-transmissible diseases to not get a vaccine because of this hesitancy. And yours truly thinks that's dangerous. What do you think after this? I just looked up the current COVID vaccine numbers for the United States. I was actually surprised by the uh, the first dose. 81%, 81.1. That's actually pretty good. Eight out of ten of us. Here's where it starts to go downhill. Second dose, 66%. Why you would get one and not the other one, I, I don't understand. But So that's a look at the, a snapshot. And, and if you look at the world, it's about 10% less than that. So work to do, but uh, I'm encouraged by the first dose. Maybe that gives some level of protection. But obviously boosters came about. And as I said, I've been fully vaccinated and so far been lucky. Connie joins us from Portage. Hi, Connie. Good morning, Steve. 
I love to hear that. We want Connie as healthy as possible. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, I had to tell you a story about, uh, I know this person who was supposed to have surgery for atrial fibrillation. It would stop it if he had the surgery, and he was going to pay for it himself in cash, $150,000, but he has a lot of money, so he was going to do it. Well, they said he had to wear a mask, and guess what, Steve? He canceled the surgery. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm not. That's how weird. Ever since he voted for Obama, but then when Donald Trump came in, it's like he just went off the edge. I don't know what's wrong with him, but that's what happened. Well, I, I wish thought you'd enjoy that. Yeah, thanks, Connie. I wish him. I wish him good health. Even though I think that's the wrong decision. Look, come on, people. I understand hesitancy. Are, are we going to get to the point now where maybe I'm out of the loop are hospitals and doctors are they going to somehow relax their standards for surgery and say ah you're good just come on in oh your relatives can watch the surgery they don't need a mask either is that what we're going to have i mean at some points i know there's a lot of mass confusion out there but doctors have, and surgeons have essentially said probably a good idea if you wear a mask we're wearing masks i think the biggest problem with masks the efficacy of masks wearing by the public is nobody wore them properly Constantly touching our face. That probably has more to do with the story than anything else. Anyway, my overall point on this is watch this story. Vax vaccine hesitancy is a thing. Especially when you have senators blowing this story up every day, the risks of vaccine versus the overwhelming benefits of vaccines. Plays out every day here in Wisconsin and elsewhere. Let's take a gander at our show poll. You can find it at 620 WTMJ or at WTMJ Steve. Give me a follow if you're not already doing so. Let's just see where we're at. So I'm going to actually compare this to the real numbers tomorrow when we do our election coverage in the 9 o'clock hour. Today I asked the big, the big race, the big question. It's election day across the state of Wisconsin. Who gets your vote for Supreme Court? So I'm just going to run down the list. It's, it's in alphabetical order. Um, yes, it is. Uh, Jennifer Doro, 31%. Daniel Kelly, 5%. Everett Mitchell, 8%, and Janet Protosewitz, 55%. Now, I don't know if the number's going to be right, but I think Doro and Protosewitz is kind of where this is going to fall. But, you know, Kelly could surprise. Lots of support in some areas of the state. So we shall see. Um, almost 400 votes already. Keep going on, uh, on Twitter if you're on that platform. If you're not, just send me your thoughts on the old National Bank talk and text line, which, by the way, is always open. 247-365, your thoughts, feedback, comments, questions, 855-616-1620, old National Bank talking text line. You want to get a hold of me, and a lot of people do, steve.scafidi, 2Fs1D at WTMJ.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question or provide response to feedback. And you know, somebody said this to me earlier on the text line. You don't like people to disagree with you. I encourage you to disagree with me. Unlike other shows and other stations, we're going to actually have a, a real conversation. We're not going to yell at each other. Fair? Seems like a common sense way to approach things, doesn't it? Let's do it. All right. I just want to get a temperature. I don't, this, this is one of those interesting stories that pops up occasionally. And I just want to get a sense where people are at on this. So I need your help, 855-616-1620. Text is fine. Phone call if you want to. Here's the headline. Pennsylvania County to mail residents free condoms to combat, combat rocketing STD rates, right? Sexually transmitted diseases, STD. 
Residents can get up to 10 condoms discreetly delivered to their front door for free. Why are they doing this? Syphilis rates in Delaware County, in Pennsylvania, increased by 100%, more than 100% last year. So, in this county in Delaware, in, in, in this and other places, you can order up to 10 condoms. This one, the other one's in, in uh, Delaware County. Can order up to 10 condoms to be mailed directly to them in discreet packaging at no personal cost. So free, essentially. Just curious what you think about this. They're not just going to willy-nilly nail, uh, mail them out. They're gonna, you have to say, yes, I want these. Discreetly. It's called Doing Delco Safely is the program. It was launched last week. And admiral, admir, admirable, another hard word to say, approach to a serious problem. Their county health director, Melissa Lyons, said sexually transmitted infections increased in Delaware County and across the United States during the pandemic over the last few years. People getting busy. Nowhere to go. Stuff closed. She says, adds, it gives residents additional access to protection for themselves and their partners. What do you think about this? 855-616-1620. Free of charge. You you don't have to get them if you don't want them. To try to combat a public health, they would say, an emergency. All of this in the storyline that says the U.S. is now investigating strains of these STDs that are antibiotic resistant. So no way to curb that beyond abstinence or protection. I guess my take is, one who's paying for it, I I understand public health. I, I was a city leader, very important relationship with our Health department. So I get that. If it's not, if it's not uh, such a burden on your budget, I can see how this would be a smart thing to do. And perhaps, I'm sure there's some local health directors and employees that probably feel said maybe this is already offered in places here. Maybe they just don't mail them, so you got to go pick them up. So I'd love to hear from a health director. I'm okay with it. Where do you stand on this? Appropriate? Too much? Stay out of our lives? Or is this what health departments should do? I guess if their mission statement is that we have to slow down the rates of these infections, diseases, this is certainly aligned with that mission statement. Therefore, I I wouldn't have a problem with it. As long as I said, the budget piece of this is not significant. And in, in some cases, according to the reading that I've done on this, Many times these items are donated free of charge, which is also a great thing. Whether that's the companies that make them or other agencies that are just trying to do the right thing when it comes to public health. 855-616-1620. Texts are fine. We'll, we'll dig into the free distribution of condom story for a really good reason, the slowing down of STDs when they're exploding across this country. Some of it pandemic-related, some of it certainly behavioral. We'll get to that after this, I'm WTMJ. 
Before the break, we were talking about a story from Pennsylvania. The local health department sends you 10 condoms free of charge, discreetly packaged to your residence in an attempt to knock down STD rates, sexually transmitted diseases. I say okay, as long as it's not uh, prohibited from a budget perspective. Um, from the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620, Rick Male condoms, weird. Don't know what to think. I wonder if it reduces hospital clinic costs in the back end. Well, certainly, if it prevents disease, right? That's a good one. Uh, let's see. Well, if this is from the 414. If that's all we can do to stop the spread of it, maybe better education or some kind of a screening. I'm sure those things happen already. If you go to a doctor, and I encouraged before, and I'll do it again, the, the annual visit, that's when these things can be detectable, right? Blood tests and the like. Urine tests. Wouldn't you rather know? And obviously with the rise of drug addiction, that has that further enhanced this problem. But the issues of STDs is one we should probably think about, especially if there's now resistant strains that eliminate the effectiveness or the efficacy of, of antibiotics. Uh, from the 262, I'm not a government official, but I, in my travels, I go to county buildings. I know that there are signs up in some of the buildings that I go to that they're free. Just ask for them. So perhaps a service that's not that unique. So if you're in Wisconsin, which is where I'm currently sitting, broadcasting all over the place, I'm just curious what you're seeing. And if you think this, I'm really interested in, in, is this a good idea? I don't have a problem with it. Again, as long as it doesn't cost the taxpayers a lot of money. Uh, Gary says, is this around Philly? I'm not sure where this county is, Delco County. Gives new meaning to brotherly love. <laughs> Gary from Portage. Always the funny guy. Uh, let's see. Hey, brother Steve, may as well make it a combo box with the heroin drug box. They could throw in some Narcan and a couple ballots for kicks. A lot in that, uh, that text, Craig, from Horicon. Uh, Leanne from Racine, Steve, I'm all for this. There seems to be no negatives that will help protect people, and that's what health departments are supposed to do. That's that's my take, smart take. I think most people, they're in the mission, they're in the business, and their mission statement is, we want to keep our our community safe, right? and and whatever means necessary, and providing condoms to prevent the spread of STDs, that infection, seems like a good idea. Involving the, the U.S. Postal Service, mailing them out, well, and that's more cost. And again, as long as, as it's not prohibitively expensive for communities to do this, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, from the 920, please correct me if I'm wrong, didn't the U.S. Armed Services offer condoms at times for the wars we were involved in? Yes, World War II. I don't know where it was at. I was at a museum, and they actually had a package. I think it was a, they showed the kit for soldiers. Might have been the... Um, now, I'm, I'm guessing, but it might have been the uh, World War II uh, Normandy Museum that I visited in uh, in France, but I could be wrong. Lou from West Dallas. I ride the city bus freak frequently. Should we start mailing people free shampoo and deodorant? No. Take responsibility, f- responsibility for your own actions, Lou. I hear you, Lou. I mean, this is this is one of those... This kind of ties into what our other conversation is about. Doing the right thing. For a variety of reasons, probably first and foremost, there's a lot of pushback against government incentives, government ideas, 
government enforcement when it comes to everything from COVID to STDs to anything, really. And you wonder if some of that pushback doesn't translate to, look, I'm not doing anything, they tell me. I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm not going to listen to sometimes even great ideas when it comes to the health and safety of our community. I'm just not going to do it. And, and that, that shutting down, that, that ability to just say, I'm not going to listen to what they have to say, that could play into all of these stories. The reason I brought up the earlier one is because I think this is one of those moments where we have to decide what kind of country we're going to live in. Are we going to overplay the government is bad, COVID's fake, the risk of vaccines far outweighs the benefits, which it doesn't. Or are we going to listen and learn from health professionals, scientists, real scientists? Doesn't mean there can't be disagreement. That's healthy. And if there's a, a, a topic that illuminates that, it's mask wearing. But I always remind people that make this point to me because they do it all the time. Well, what about masks? They're not effective and starting to see science that says maybe they're not. But what you know now is not what we knew then. Experiences, time, and in some cases tragedy, give us or shine a light on what the reality is. And, And for COVID or vaccines, we're learning a lot. And that learning, that experience, those real experiences, especially when it comes to death rates and vaccine rates, even things like STD and mailing out condoms, we will learn from these experiences and hopefully be healthier and safer. Make sense? Sort of a science health hour on the big program. We'll take a break. I'll give you the final results for today of our show poll. You can find it on Twitter, 620WTMJ or WTMJ Steve. Final results of that's. And we'll see what Mr. Jeff Wagner is going to talk about today on his big program, noon to three on WTMJ. Let's take a look at our show poll. We'll give you the updated results in the morning as we talk about the results of the big election day in Wisconsin. Uh, question simple, election day across the state of Wisconsin, who gets your vote for Supreme Courts? These aren't in, in the order of voting. Alphabetical, Jennifer Doro, 32%. Daniel Kelly, 5.7%. Everett Mitchell, 8, and Janet Protosiewicz, 53.7. I wouldn't be shocked if Doro and, and Protosiewicz emerge from today's voting. If you haven't voted, get out and vote. As I said earlier in the show, don't understand the significantly low turnouts. I don't care. We're all busy. You can't find 5 to 10 minutes to, to shape the country and the states and the community you live in. I think you're missing an important part of being an American, but uh, that's just me. All right, Jeff Wagner's up next. What are you going to talk about, Jeff? Steve, thanks so very much. You're right. It is Election Day. We'll have some comments on that. Joe Biden says we've got to do something to save Social Security. Why won't he do anything, though? We'll discuss that. A case is being argued in front of the United States Supreme Court today, which has the potential, the potential, I say, to dramatically impact how we use the Internet and what social media will be moving forward. We're going to discuss that. The city of Milwaukee is thinking about ending free street parking um, in the evenings and on weekends. Would that be a good idea? Cognitive tests for drivers older than 75. And if you fail it, then a new road test. It's something that another country is doing and they're having great success with. Would it work in Wisconsin? Would it work in this country? All right. Think back. 
it seems in some cases like forever, maybe it seems like it was yesterday, two days from now, it will be one year since Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. Well, the war in Ukraine has bogged down. Putin shows no sign of backing off. He's now suspended the nuclear arms treaty between Russia and the United States. The question becomes, how does this mess end? Does anybody know? We're going to talk about the story that we discussed very briefly yesterday. Wauwatosa, you had a developer that wanted to put up a $50 million building. A handful of neighbors objected. The local political people decided they really didn't want to weigh in on this. So now instead of a $50 million building, you get a $5 million car wash. How did that work out for everybody? We discuss, could it get any worse at Columbia St. Mary's? That's an open question. And we start off with a, with a topic. I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but I did, tell, I, t- I did tell you so at the time. There are some decisions which you look back and in retrospect you say, boy, this was a really awful decision. And then there are other decisions that anybody with an ounce of intelligence knows is a staggeringly stupid decision at the time it was made but people for whatever reasons in this case political correctness go ahead they make the decision and surprise follows surprise a couple years later it's not working out very well i've got a classic example of one of those types of stories and that's where we start the wagner show right after the top of the hour news